0: We got a little bit about Jovi going this morning. I know we got church, it's church outside, but we are halfway there, my friends. You know what we're halfway there too. We're halfway through our series, that's one thing. We're in a series called Emerge, and we're about halfway through the wall today. We're going to see gets, that we're talking about being built, and the story is halfway there. We're halfway, it feels like, hopefully more, uh, with the pandemic, right? We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, so that's a good thing. We're more than halfway there with vaccinations in our country. We're seeing hope emerging. We're getting together more as a community, as a church. So we're there in a lot of different ways. And so, hey, it's great to have you here today. We're gonna continue on in our series. Today, I'm gonna talk about overcoming obstacles. You guys ever had to overcome any obstacles? All right, I'm sure we have a lot of things that we had to overcome, so we're going to talk about that today. But again, I just want to say thank you for being here today. Can you guys hear me way there in the back? Let me make sure you guys are with me. Hey, back row, are you with me today? I need an amen corner from the back. All right, we're good. We got a lot of fun stuff planned for today. Uh, uh, such beautiful weather. Um, man, we got the bounce houses out. I know torturing kids, that the smell is going to start coming over here from the, from the food trucks that we've got afterward. And also, I hope every kid that's here, every kid, every student, uh, we've got a free uh, IC that we're gonna have for you guys afterward for Kona Ice. So make sure you get one of your free coupons from one of our tents here if you didn't get one of those. So a lot of cool things being together today. Um, talking about overcoming obstacles. If this obstacle behind me comes crashing down on my head, give me a little warning so I can get out of the way. I would really appreciate that. So hey, listen, today, we're, like I said, we're talking about overcoming obstacles. And when I think about obstacles... It's like, why do we put things in the way in competitions? It used to be that we had a marathon, right? The marathon was 26. Point, was it one? 26.2, yeah, 20, it's over 26 miles, and you just had to get from point A to point B. But then that wasn't enough. We had to like add all kinds of challenges to make it harder to get from point A to point B. And then we have things like American Ninja Warrior. You guys like that show? Any American Ninja Warrior fans out there? Yeah, it's like you see these amazing obstacles that they have to overcome just to get from here to there. And if you notice, always in the middle is the most famous obstacle of them all. Do you know which one that is? You guys know what the most? Well, it's in every single competition. The warped wall, yeah, 12 feet tall, 14 tall feet tall, the new one. I mean, it's, it's hard. And what happens is right in the middle of the competition right when you're already through some obstacles and you still got a long way to go, they throw a wall right in the middle, right? It's hard, you kind of try to get over that and it takes that energy, it takes that extra boost and it's hard to get over that wall but that's an obstacle that's right there and it's the point where some finish their competition and others that get over it, they go through to the end. And we use that term, have you, have you guys ever used that term, hitting the wall? You guys, if you're, especially if you're maybe a runner or some in sports like, or cycling, You hit the wall when your glycogen stores in your your liver and in your your muscles, you're just depleted. And all of a sudden, you're running. It often happens in the middle or the second half of the race. And it's like your legs are like concrete. You can't move. Your energy is sapped, and you're just stuck. And you're going, how am I going to get through the rest of this race? It's called hitting the wall. How many of you have hit the wall in life? How many of us have gone to a place where we've gone and we've pushed and we've tried to break through? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you're dealing with with some emotional challenges. Maybe in your marriage you're like you had some goals or or in your career and you just feel like you can't go further. Maybe physically you're hitting the wall and you're going, how do I get through this? And today we're going to talk exactly about that. How do we overcome these hurdles when we're in the halfway point, when we're trying to get through, we're trying to make something happen? And so we've been in this series called Emerge. Because we want to come out of this time stronger. We want to come out of this time better, not just like, oh, okay, life is, life is back to the way it was. How do we come through in this point, in this halfway point, doing that? Now, if you're new here for the first time, if you're joining us or online, just to give you a little bit of a, an on-ramp to what we've been talking about, is that uh, we're, we're following the story of a man named who? I need some audience participation. You guys feel far away from here. You, uh, who? Nehemiah, right? We're following Nehemiah. And what's he building? Is he doing it by himself? Yes. No, he's building the walls, not by himself. So the story begins of a man who is miles away from his homeland. He's burdened by the fact that the walls around his ancient home and city have been torn down. They were destroyed in war, they've been torn down for 150 years. His ancestors had gone back to Jerusalem, and now the wall had been torn down for 100 years, and they hadn't done anything in the last 100 years. And he gets burdened over this, and he says, Somebody's got to do something we've been talking about the, how a vision in our lives often gets birthed when we are, are burdened for something, when something's broken in us. But we live among the rubble, and it's time to do something. And Nehemiah says, it's time to do something. And he prays, and he gets focused, and he leans into God and saying, God, help me understand what to do. And he clarifies that vision, and he comes with a, with a plan, and he makes his way to Jerusalem. And now, he, he, last week we talked about, they got to that point where it was time to do what? They time to roll up their sleeves, It was time to get the people together to say, we're going to station families and and people all around this city, all around this wall. We're going to link arms, we're going to roll up our sleeves, and we're going to stand in the gap so that this wall gets built. And I don't want you to miss this last week, too. We talked about the importance of that when we are a part of something bigger than ourselves, we find ourselves. When you just pursue your own small dreams, your own small goals in your life, you shrink to the size of those things. But when you dream something bigger, when you link arms and what we're doing together as a church, all of us that helped make this happen today, we got to be part of something bigger than ourselves. When you're part of something bigger than yourself, you find yourself. And so here we are as we pick up the story. They're in the, the Nehemiah's in Jerusalem and all the people are working hard around the wall. It's where we left off last week. And the significance of this wall was it was an identity for the people. It was a, it was a disgrace being torn down because they were the people of God. And they were there to represent themselves to the, to the world, to represent God to the world. And so here these walls were torn down, but now, after 100 years of having returned post of their, their exile, they're rebuilding the walls, the chisels are going, the hammers are clanking, the horses are hauling things around. There's a lot of buzz and a lot of life. And the wall is starting to be rebuilt. And that's where we pick up in Nehemiah chapter four. And so right as we begin in chapter 4 and we see this all throughout is as soon as Nehemiah or or this plan wants to go into motion, instantly there's some opposition. Instantly there's something that comes along the way. Whenever we set out to do something, there's always something we can expect to push back on us. And that's exactly what we see here in Nehemiah chapter 4. And it begins that these, these, these nemesis of Nehemiah, Sanballat and Tobiah, remember those guys? They keep showing up and others they see what's happening, and so they come over, and, uh, and they're looking around what's happening, and they start mocking them, and here's what they say. What does, this, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? What he's saying is they're looking around, he's got army officers around. And while these people are working, they come alongside, and they're saying like, look at these guys. What do they think they're doing? There's no way they can make this happen. And they're pointing out these charred stones, these broken stones that have been there for so long, and they're mocking them. And then it's almost like a Monty Python movie, uh, The Holy Grail. You guys know that movie? Then Tobiah comes along his side, and he says, this is his great line. He says, oh yeah, yeah, and one more thing. That stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it, right? It's like, ooh, right? Here comes this big taunt. You guys remember that scene in Holy Grail, if you've watched that, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to ask for forgiveness that I've watched that movie and, and like it. Um, there's these Frenchmen on top of the wall, the castle, and there comes King Arthur. Now you guys are gonna be telling like Monty Python lines the entire rest of your day here. But, but he's taunting, you're right, they're taunting them, you know, and, and saying, who are you, all right? Come and I shall taunt you a second time. And do you guys know the, know the, know the, the taunt that he gives them? Your mother, <laughs> don't go after moms, right, right? Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of what? Come on, some of you got to be with me. You're leaving me hanging online, typing in there if you know it. What do they smell? Elderberries. All right, you're no fun. All right. Anyway, t- <laughs> Tobias, trying to, Tobias trying to taunt them. And what happens is when we get into these places where we're trying to do something, when the mocking comes, when the taunting comes, we start second guessing ourselves. We might start doubting ourselves and start thinking, should I really be doing this? Some of you know from your days at school or maybe some kids at school right now, you know how it hurts when somebody is teasing you, when somebody's mocking you, when somebody's making fun of you, it, it's discouraging. It takes the life out of you. It wants to just make you quit and kind of go, I don't know, should I even be doing this? And so they have to fight through that, that first battle and through that first hurdle. But then comes this, this point where, where I, I, I couldn't get away from this this whole week as I was, I've been preparing, is what Sanballat said about these charred stones. He's there, right there, they're rebuilding, but he's pointing out these charred stones. And I just thought about the significance of these charred charred stones. Every single one of us in our life has something in our past or that we're going through that we look back and we either regret or wish was different or we think there was a failure or we did something wrong. And you know what that is? It's a charred stone from our past. Those walls were sitting there for years and these charred stones were just staring back at them every day. And here, as they're finally trying to do something to change their direction, to change their future, here come these guys, and what are they pointing out? Look at your charred stones. They've been giving testimony and witness to you for 100 years. You're not gonna do anything. You're not gonna make anything. It's not gonna happen. And I wonder how many of us have heard these stories and have people pointing out the charred stones in your life. How many of you have somebody, unfortunately, who's in your life who keeps reminding you of what you did wrong in your past? They will never let you get past that point of what happened way back when. You're trying to move on, but they keep pointing back to those charred stones. And you know what's amazing what happens after a while? They may not even be around, or these may be things from your past, and you start taunting yourself about your own charred stones. It's the voices in your head. It's the things in your life where you're going, man, I'm never going to be good enough at. I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to be a good enough dad, a good enough mom when I see these others. I'm never gonna live up to my dad's expectations or my mom's expectations. I'm never gonna be the kind of leader, I'm just, I am just—I can't. And those charred stones are those voices, those things that, that, that give testimony to maybe a failure in the past. But you cannot let those things hold you back and keep you from moving forward. And so here are these voices, they keep coming. But as followers of Christ, we know there's another accuser that his job, is to accuse the people of God day and night. You know what it says in scriptures? That Satan is the great accuser. That day and night he's accusing you before God. Isn't that comforting to know? Right now, Satan's up there and he's accusing you day and night before God. Oh, you know that other thing that Mark did? Oh, that other thing, you know what he's going? You know what his thoughts are? You know what he's thinking here? You know what he did there? Remember that thing in the past? God, God, he's constantly accusing us, pointing out the charged stones. But you know what scripture says? Scripture says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who's gonna write it and not take what was past. He's gonna rewrite it. He's gonna author it into something new, into something amazing. And so we have to focus different. And that's exactly, that's exactly what Nehemiah did. These taunts are coming. And the first thing Nehemiah did, as he does all throughout, he goes to God and he prays. He turns his attention to God, and he, says, and he says this, hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. But he doesn't get defensive and cow in the corner. He takes a step forward and says, God, help us, and then make them pay. Let's go forward. We've got to do this thing that we're doing. And then comes verse six in the story, in the scripture, which is the, the, this point that, that Bon Jovi was singing about. At last, it says, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm and he's always trying to steal the show here I got, <laughs> good, good good oh good luck with that we got gotta got get some entertainment happening over here all right really, i'm gonna walk over here i'm gonna really mess up the cameras hey guys you gotta you can't be falling asleep oh good job ed um <laughs> so so now the wall is half its height the wall is halfway up and it says the people had worked hard they had worked with enthusiasm Have you ever started a project? And the energy is high at the beginning, isn't it? We're gonna do this, we're gonna finish it, we're gonna do something here, and we work, and we go hard, and all of a sudden, we're seeing the progression. We're seeing things happen, and and I'm here to tell you, the first half is the easier half of anything you try to do typically, isn't it? Right, you're still focused, you're excited, you're energetic, and that's what they are. They're working with enthusiasm, and they're reaching that point. And all of a sudden, it's like the light is forward in the tunnel and the distance is behind you and you're going I think we can get there I think we can do it but there's good old Sanballat and Tobiah and the others that are just not going to let up what began as mocking now as they've seen this wall going up and now that they see the wall is at the halfway point things really change now they go from just mocking and taunting and trying to discourage them and they take it up to a whole other level here's what they said they were furious, and in verse eight it says, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and to throw us into confusion. They were ready to go to war. They were ready to go to battle. As the neighboring nations, it was not enough to just discourage them. These walls were going up, they were making progress, and it was time to stop it. It was time to go up against it, and now we're talking military stuff, military people. They're ready to attack and to make it happen. Once again, Nehemiah, he goes to pray, and this time he says, "God protect us, but we are going to guard the wall with everything we have." And now Nehemiah is trying to get them ready. He's trying to get them to go. The wall is halfway up. but here's where they hit the wall. Here's where the people hit the wall. Here's where things change. Look at, listen to verse 10. They're halfway through. They're making progress after 100 years. The wall's going up, and here's what the people say. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired, and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. And look at our enemies. They are coming from all directions and trying to attack us. What do you see happening in this moment? They have hit the wall. They've hit the wall. They're halfway against the wall. Now they're discouraged. They're down. We can't do this. Look at us. We're tired man, I'm a perfume maker, what am I out here building this wall? I'm a goldsmith, what am I out here doing on this wall? I've got a business to run, I've got things to do. Look at these guys, they're going to take us out. But Nehemiah and the people are thinking, how do we go forward? And Nehemiah is assessing the situation, and and I think, how many times in our life, again, have you hit that wall? Do you get to that point where you're ready to throw in the towel? You're ready to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm physically tired, I'm mentally tired, I'm emotionally drained, I can't do it anymore. If you've th- think about Bible stories, and maybe right now comes to mind a story about Moses. Think about the people were in, in you know, the, the, the people of God were enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. They're finally freed. They're making their way through the desert. But things get hard. They're not in the promised land yet. They're halfway there. And what do they start doing? Oh, Moses, it says they grumble. They complain. Take us back to Egypt. Take us back to the way it was. At least, maybe we were slaves, but at least we had our homes, we had our food, and we knew what life was. And you, and you kind of shake your head and you go, what are you thinking? And in this moment, the people are probably going, man, we lived with walls broken down for 100 years. It, forget it. At least we had peace with our neighbors, and they want to throw in the towel. Nehemiah doesn't let them do it. You don't want your life marked by half-built walls. There was a, there was a place uh, in, in Chandler, there was a mall in Arizona where we were when we used to live there, and it was a great, beautiful mall and the surroundings and all that. And then right on, as you enter into the mall, there was an with this uh with this big pad for building, And it had this giant, well, I mean, it was large. It was three, four-story concrete structure. And all it had was the center posts and the floors. And it hadn't been built on in years. It was abandoned. The the fence was up. The weeds were growing around it. And you just kind of look and you go, this is a halfway finished project. And you kind of go, what happened? Now, again, there may have been reasons for that. Obviously, there were reasons. But you go, is that a place you're going to stop? or are you gonna push through? And that was the question for the people. And at this point, do you quit or do you, go home, you can go home, or do you keep going? Nehemiah realizes this is a point we've gotta get refocused. And maybe you're at a point right now in your life where you're drained and you're tired and you need to get refocused. Here's what Nehemiah does. Verse 14, he says, "'Then as I looked over the situation,' he sees what's happening, "'I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, "'and I said to them, "'Don't be afraid of the enemy.'" Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. He says, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Nehemiah always turns the attention back to God, whether it's in prayer, whether it's with his people. If you're on a mission, if you have a vision, something God has given you in your life, you turn the focus back to God and say, I'm not gonna be afraid. But then he turns to his people and he says, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He's telling them to fight. Don't just roll over. Don't just quit. Don't just give up. Don't back down. Double down. Some of you need to hear that this morning. you got to stop backing down. you got to double down. you got to go to that extra level and say, you know what? God is with us. What am I fighting for? And he reminds them this isn't just about you. This is about your kids, your sons, your daughters, your families, your homes. This is about something bigger than what we're doing with them. It is worth the fight and worth the effort. And so now the strategy changes, and I love this picture that we get here in this next section, because Nehemiah's going, all right, how are we going to handle this? And, And we read about this here. He said, from that day on, they returned to the work on the wall, but it says, only half my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. That's not the equipment you need to build a wall. That's equipment you need to fight a war, And he said, he said, half the men were fighting, half were protecting. The leaders were standing guard between the people and the wall because they said, we are not gonna quit. And they said, from that day on, we carried our trowel in one hand, the trowel for the mortar, for laying the bricks. And you know what they had on the other and on their side was a sword. The trowel and the sword. The trowel and the sword. We wanna get our work done and we may not have time to fight, but sometimes it takes both, the trowel and the sword. And it says, from day to night, we worked from morning till night, from sunrise to sunset. Whether we went and got water or whatever it was, we had our swords by our side because this was going to be a fight. This is a battle. And now we can just talk in general terms about great visions and things like that, but in your life, the thing that you feel God is putting in you, whether it's a vision for a ministry, something you wanna do, whether it's a change you wanna make in your school or in your community, whether it's the vision you have for your family, for your marriage, don't quit because it's hard. (laughs) When it's gonna get hard. And the reminder this morning isn't that it's gonna get easier, it's gonna get harder, but you've gotta double down. And what he's reminding the people is saying, you've gotta fight for what matters. Yeah, marriage is hard, maybe you've had troubles, but fight for your marriage. Fight for your kids, fight for your job, fight for the thing that, that, that you need to change in your community. As a church, we need to just, we've got work to do, but we've also got a battle. We've got to fight the naysayers, those that want to come against, those that want to stop what's happening. We've got to shore up and get ready to do what we need to do. And that picture of the trowel is what are you working for? And the sword reminds us what are you fighting for? How much does it mean to you? What are you willing to do for it? The trowel and the sword. We've got to fight the battles. When we come back to our lives, and we come back to this understanding of not just the physical battles, but scripture reminds us, just as Satan is accusing us before God day and night, we read in Ephesians, it says, it reminds us, it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. What we are fighting against is evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. What the Bible tells us is there's a spiritual war happening. And some of us wanna say, I just wanna grow spiritually. I hope just going to church is enough or I've gone to church or I've done this. It's not enough. There's a spiritual battle. It's not about just working hard enough. It's about fighting spiritually and knowing that we gotta get on our knees. We gotta get before God. We gotta ask for his strength. God, help me battle through this. Help me get to what you have for my life. And when we look at the journey we're on, When we look at our life and we think, okay, this is how far I've come. I'm halfway there. I got to make it the rest of the way. We got to look at what's in front of us. We can't keep looking back at the charred stones or what was in the past. We got to look forward. I know so many times in my life, especially as a pastor, I've wanted to quit. I've wanted to be done. And I wanted to pout and say, leadership is hard. People don't like some of the things that are happening. What's going on? Somebody says something negative. The naysayers, I've had way too many sand and Tobias in my life. Can you guys relate? People that just want to discourage and take you off. And and it is so easy to let that get to you and to say, you know what, I am done. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And you leave a half-finished project there. But I have to keep coming back in my life and you need to do in your life. What is it that God's placed inside of you? I go back to my call to ministry. I go back to those places where, where the call to come here, I think about four years ago, again, coming here, literally, it was this Sunday, four years ago, was our, was our first uh, the Sunday where we came to candidate and shared the message. And I come back to that point, and I think about the story that, that I shared that day as the heart and passion, that one Bible story that I think captures what the church is to be about. And it's the story of, the, of the, when Jesus was in a house and he was healing, he was healing and he was teaching and, and uh, there was these men that were there. And then one of them thought, hey, you know who needs to be here? Is my friend, the buddy. He's, he's, he's lame. He's been lame from birth. He's been sitting at the side of the road. He's in the city. He's the one that needs to come to Jesus. And you know what they did? They left the place where Jesus was and they went to go get their friend. They had a vision. You know what the vision was? My friend, my, my, my friend needs Jesus. His life's going to get changed. He's going to be transformed by time with him. And so they left their comfort and they went out and they got him, they made a plan. And what they did is they grabbed the four corners of the mat and they picked him up and they carried him. They had this great plan, this great vision. And then when they got to the house, they were halfway there. And you know what happened? They couldn't get in. They couldn't get in because there were so many people that had crowded in to see Jesus. And you know what they did, they gave up. They threw in the towel, they said, sorry buddy, maybe another day, it's too hard, it's too hot, we can't do it. They didn't do that. We wouldn't be reading about that if that's what they did. What they did is they said, no, we're not giving up. We're gonna push through. We're going to the roof. You go get some ropes. You get a pry bar. You get a hammer. You get a jackhammer. And while Jesus is teaching, just like whoever's doing yard work over there interrupting us this morning, right, they're working hard. Their jackhammers are going and it didn't matter. They're they're breaking through the roof of that house. And they lower their friend to Jesus. And as they lower their friend to Jesus, his life is changed. But you see, they didn't give up. They didn't give up because it's hard. They didn't quit. They didn't stop. They said, "This this is the moment. We either have a choice to make. Are we gonna go forward or are we gonna go back? As a pastor, as a leader in my life, I've had to come back to my calling. I've had to come back to what is it that we're going for? My calling isn't to be the pastor of the 1980s or the 1990s or even the 2000s or the 2010s. Right now, the call is to lead a church in this day, in this age, in Columbus, Ohio, in the year 2021, that we have to deal with all the opportunities that we have. This is what's here. We've got to do what God has called us to do in this day, in this age, building on what was before, taking those very stones and building them into something new like is happening here in the story. And you know what gives me hope and courage? And I hope it gives you hope and courage. We can't do this on our own. And what gives me hope and courage is I look at scripture and here's what, the, the coolest thing. You think about these charged stones. Think about these charged stones in your life these, that, that, that remind you and others maybe remind you of some failures in your past. You know what it says in the Bible about Jesus? What does it say about him? He was the stone that was what? The stone that the builders rejected. He was saying that the very foundation for faith, the very foundation for the church, for the movement going forward was Jesus. But people rejected Jesus. They rejected him. He was the stone that was rejected. He was the charred stone that nobody wanted to deal with. But you know what it says in Scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become what? Come on, somebody knows it. What? He's become the cornerstone, the very rejected stone. The one that everyone discarded and says couldn't be the one has become the cornerstone, the most important piece of a building, the foundation from which everything else hangs. And because Jesus, the stumbling block, the stone that the builders rejected, the charred stone can become the cornerstone, that is the foundation that we can build on. That's what gives us hope to be able to rebuild. That's what gives us the hope that the very stones of your past, the pain, the brokenness, The charred stones of your life can become the very pieces God uses to build something new for your future. He takes those things and he redeems those things. But don't quit. Don't stop halfway. Just because the battle's tough, just because things are tight, buckle down. Remind yourself of what you're fighting for, who you're fighting for, and what God has called you to do. Then pick up your trowel and get to work and grab your sword and fight like it matters. And when we do that, we're gonna see as the story unfolds, God will lead them to the vision that he has called them to do. I pray for that for us, and I pray for that for you, whatever it is that you are dealing with right now in your own life, let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we see these stories, when we hear these stories, it's just so awesome to be inspired that they didn't quit. They didn't quit when things get hard, they didn't quit when opposition came, they didn't quit when, when taunts were made. Even when they were threatened for their lives, God, they stayed true to what you had called them to do. So Father, give us the courage today to do that very thing. Father, I pray for those here today right now that, are, that have a hope and a dream for their marriage that isn't there yet, but God, would you just encourage them to double down. God, for those that are, have some dreams in their life, and their career, or what, God, what you have made them for in this world, help them not to, to throw in the towel, but to keep pushing, to keep fighting. Father, whether it's their health or whether it's emotional challenges, God, would you give the courage today to keep fighting and to overcome these obstacles? And finally, God, I pray for us too as a congregation, as a church. God, may our witness be loud, may it be proud, may it be warm, may it be inviting, and may it be fearless to share what you have done in our lives with those around us. We commit ourselves to you, in Jesus' name, amen.